My message this morning uh, is entitled Kings and Priests, and I want to talk specifically about the Melchizedekian priesthood. I want to pray this morning. I'm going to sow seeds in your, your spirit today. And uh, my, my fear is that uh, if you don't understand what I'm going to say today, then the enemy, the devil, comes and he steals the word, and it will not profit you at all. And I, I, I don't know if this is going to resonate with everybody, but there are going to be people in this room today that will resonate with the word that I give to you. And I believe that this is a, a meathy word. It's a word, uh, it's a weighty word. It's a word for us to, to seriously uh, grapple with and consider. And what I want to do is I want to cast vision. And vision is not looking behind us, which is hindsight. It's not looking inward, which is insight. It's not looking forward as well, which is foresight. It's looking above, which is true sight. It's seeing the way God sees things. And I pray that God will baptize your eyes this morning and give you the ability to intuit the purposes of God, give you a revelation of what He wants to say to us. Because this is a serious word today. I, I don't want to lose this word. My fear today is that the enemy is right at our doorstep, ready to steal the word from us. And Father, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the devourer right now. Over this house, I pray you will guard the seed, guard the word. I pray that this seed will fall into good ground today and it will germinate, bear fruit, Lord, and bring forth 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This whole idea of the priesthood, Lord, let it be imprinted in our hearts, let it burn in our spirits, and let this be a one consuming vision for us here in this room today. We ask this all in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. My text is Hebrews chapter 5, verses 9 to 11. And uh, the writer of the Hebrews says, that having been perfected, uh, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, listen to this, hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing, since you have become, the dullness prevented them from understanding one of the greatest revelations in Scripture. If you would ask me today, Pastor, what is the one ministry you desire above everything else? You know, would you like to be a partial, a prophet, priest, whatever? Uh, really, my answer to you is very clear-cut. I want to be, I've always wanted to be a priest, a priest of the Most High, because one of the privileges a priest has is he gets to come close to God. Amen. When the Apostle Peter was giving us a vision of what the church is called to be, he said, you are a royal priesthood. You're not just any priesthood, you are a royal priesthood. And when he said that, he was giving us a vision of what the church can become. I do not think this is an automatic guarantee. I think this is a very real possibility. But I think that we have to grow into this and we have to have a revelation of what entails a priesthood. One of the greatest revelations that's going to be released upon the church in the last days is the revelation of the Melchizedekian priesthood. So little has been thought on this seemingly obscure subject, but I believe that the full revelation is going to be revealed to us in the, because of the hour that we live in and the Melchizedekian priesthood, hear me please, is the highest authority of the believer on planet earth because it's a combination of both the priestly anointing and the kingly ministry. Now for too long, the ministry of the priests and the ministry of the pro, a king has been separate. But God is going to bring these two key ministries together in the last days. There's going to be a marriage of the offices of the priest and the king. And when this happens, we're going to see cataclysmic results. The writer to the Hebrews, when commenting on this subject, referred to this subject of the Melchizedek priesthood as meat and not milk, which simply means a degree of maturity is required 
to grasp the fullness and the reality of this revelation. And he was restrained in explaining more because the hearts of the Hebrew Christians had grown dull. And when you have a dull knife, you can't cut through meaty stuff. And I pray that God will, will do something in our hearts uh, and that we will not be dull of hearing today. Amen. And the dullness of the Hebrew believers prevented one of the greatest revelations from being released to the body of Christ. Because when we don't understand a revelation, when it's released, what happens? Satan comes and he steals the word. This is the parable of the sower. Chris Berkland told me a story, an experience he once had. And again, this is an experience. So it's subjective. You've got to weigh it. You've got to judge the experience. And he told me where he was wrapped with, around with fire and taken down into the very pit of hell. There he was brought into what he said was the trophy room of, of, of Satan. And in the trophy room, he saw Satan's two most valued trophies. Those things that he had stolen from the body of Christ. He saw a kingly garment and he saw the garments of a priest. Hey, that's the priest, the garments of the Melchizedekian priesthood. I find this interesting because Satan will fight tooth and nail to prevent the church from receiving this revelation. So we must contend for this. Amen. So allow me today to take you on a journey to discover one of the most powerful revelations that awaits the church in these last days. And I pray God will grant you understanding. This obscure king, Melchizedek, is mentioned in three portions of Scripture in the Bible. Only three. He's first mentioned in the 14th chapter in the book of Genesis when Abraham meets him and gives a tithe to him. He's also mentioned in Psalms 110 in verse 4, speaking of the Messiah. It says, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And then he's also mentioned in the New Testament, in the seventh chapter of the book of uh, Hebrews, where the writer of the epistle to Hebrews explains a few things about this very mysterious person. Some theologians think that Melchizedek was an epiphany of Christ. In other words, he was Christ in some form in the history. I don't believe that. But something that he was a real king, a type of Christ, I belong to this category. Now the appearance of Melchizedek in Abraham's life was the game changer. Here's the context. There is a war, there's a regional conflict between, in the valley of Sidim between an alliance of four kings versus an alliance of five kings. The alliance of four kings defeated the, the other alliance and the result was Lot and his family were captured by the, uh, by the enemy. Word gets to Abraham. He gathers an army of 318 trained and fighting men, very specifically, 318. And with just these 318 men, he pursues and defeats the alliance of four kings, liberates Lot, and recovers all of the spoil. I tell you this, my friends, it is not the size of the army in the last days that result in victory. It's how well trained and how ready we are for battle. Amen. It's not the size of the dog that determines the outcome of a fight. It's the size of a fight in the dog that determines the outcome. Two kings come out to meet Abraham after his victory. Melchizedek and the king of Sodom. Abraham would not so much as take a single shoelace from the king of Sodom. But there was something very different about the other king. In fact, Abraham bows to the Melchizedek and gives a tithe, a tenth of the spoils. In turn, Melchizedek blesses him and administers communion to Abraham. Now think about it for a few moments. 
You have just defeated an alliance of several kings in a regional conflict. You have proven to everyone around you that you have the capabilities to take out anyone who tries to mess with your family. Yet Abraham, when he meets Melchizedek, he assumes the position of the inferior, of the lesser. Before a king, he knows what no one knows very much about. No genealogy, no parentage, no earthly powers to speak. But Abraham saw something that others did not. He realized how great this man was. What he represented, who he represented. And he honors him by giving a tenth of all that he had. Now Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, the father of our faith. In Hebrews chapter 7, the writer of the Hebrews was trying to establish how far greater the Melchizedekian priesthood was when compared to the Levitical priesthood that came forth from Abraham. So when Melchizedek blessed Abraham, in actuality, he was blessing Levi, who was in the loins of Abraham, a priesthood yet to be born. Just let that sink in for a few moments. I need you to understand these things. I need you to understand these things. If you lose the revelation, the enemy comes and steals the word. Listen, we have to capture the beauty and the significance of this Melchizedek. In Genesis 14, the writer to the Hebrews went to explain at length. Now watch this. Hebrews chapter 7 and verses 1 to 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of kings, blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being first translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now historically, Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Salem was the original ancient name for Jerusalem. All right? Now, not only was Melchizedek a king, he was also a priest. And this is important because our priesthood in the new covenant is not after the order of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, in the New Testament, God takes the functions of a priest and he marries it to the kingly office, making, making us kings and priests. Now, when the Bible talks about us being kings and priests, it's a vision. Do you understand? God is offering to every one of you in this room right now. He's saying to you, I want you to catch this vision of being a priest and king because it is not an automatic thing. It has to be qualified. You have to qualify for it, all right? So in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us, watch this, kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, in the Old Testament, the priesthood went to the tribe of Levi. The scepter, the rulership, went to the tribe of Judah. Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. And he comes from a long line of kings. All right? Now, this is the will of God. He has made us kings and priests. That's the Melchizedekian priesthood. The operative phrase is, he has made us. In other words, being a king, 
Being a priest involves a process of transformation. This is not something, I claim it by faith. Doesn't work that way. You can't claim to be a king. You can't claim to be a priest. You've got to be molded and shaped by God for your destiny. Now Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 3, it says, without father, without mother. Let's not get spooky about this, right? It just simply means his parents were unknown. The writer was just trying to establish the fact that Melchizedek was not a king or a priest because of genealogy. He was not a king or a priest because his father was a king or a priest. In the Old Testament, the kings of Judah reigned through genealogy. All the kings of Judah came from one man, David. If you're not a descendant of David, you could not be a king. Comprendo. Every priest who served in the house of the Lord came from the lineage of Aaron. If you're not a family of Aaron, you could not be a priest. If you're from the other 10 tribes, you can do anything else. You can farm, you can clear, take care of livestock, you can do business, you can do commerce, whatever you do, whatever you want to do, but you can't be a priest and you can't be a king because that's reserved only for two tribes in Israel and for two families, not tribes, families. If you don't, if you don't come from the tribe, if you don't come to the lineage of David, you couldn't be a king. If you didn't come out of the loins of Aaron, you could not be a priest. That's how it works. If you're not from the tribe of Levi, you could not handle religious things, right? You could not be part of the religious order. But in the New Testament, everything changed. The priesthood, ladies and gentlemen, is not based on genealogy, who your father was, who your grandfather was. It's based on election. What does that mean? It means you could be chosen because God is not a respecter of persons. Melchizedek was a king and a priest, not by genealogy, but by election. He did not inherit the throne because he was born into a royal family, right? I think I could probably explain this better by looking at the British monarchy. The queen is not the queen because she was elected. It is a birthright. And it's going to be, it was passed down to her by her father and it's going to be passed down to her to a son or hopefully to a grandson. Whereas the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom is not elected into office. The, but I'm so sorry, he was elected into the office. It's not by genealogy. But the Prime Minister's son does not become the next Prime Minister by genealogy. Understand? Except in some countries only, right? <laughs> Having neither beginning of days nor end of life, Melchizedek was a king, a priest, in Abraham's days, but the unusual thing is his birth could not be traced, neither could his death. Whether the man died or not, I do not know, but all I can tell you is that his ministry continues into eternity and did not consummate at his death. He remains a priest forever. In the Old Testament, a priest had to lay down his priesthood at his death. In the New Testament, our priesthood continues. The only priest in the Old Testament where God promised that his priest would continue forever was a man called Phineas, the son of Eleazar because of his zeal for the Lord in the book of Numbers, when he took a spear and speared a, a Moabitess man, if you remember the whole story, and averted a terrible plague in Israel. And God said, that man, I'm going to promise him a new covenant priesthood. His priesthood will not die after he dies. It will continue all into eternity. Wow! Woo! Man, I get thrilled about such things, all right? The second portion of Scripture 
where we read about Melchizedek is Psalms 110. I want to read this to you in verse 4, 1, 1 and verse 4. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send thy rod and thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Woo, I love that. The dew of your youth. I'm 62, but I can be young again. Hallelujah. The dew of my youth can come back to me. Amen. And God can make me strong like an ox. Hallelujah. And the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 110 is a psalm of David. David was not just a great king, he was a great prophet as well. And David prophesied some of the most profound and mysterious things in the Bible. One of them is Psalms 110. Bear in mind that the priesthood at the time was Levitical. So here comes David and he prophesies and he says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand and you will be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And everybody reading the psalm would be scratching their head. What is in the world is David saying? Well, what I'd like to do is exegete the first four verses of the psalm. David was seeing into the future and he was looking at our day and he saw the church clothed with this Melchizedekian garment. In verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. This is the position of the Melchizedekian priesthood. They sit in heavenly places at the Lord's right hand. Now the Lord's right hand is a place of supreme power, not just any kind of power. When the Lord said, sit at my right hand, it means sit at the throne that I prepared for you until I make your adversaries your footstool. So the Melchizedekian priesthood is a reigning priesthood that rules from heaven and not from earth. It is the highest place of authority for the believer. Whatever we have witnessed in the past is going to be insignificant in terms of comparison to what is coming. Come on, hallelujah. What we have right now is so limited in its capacity. When the Lord said, the works that I do, greater works shall you do. My question is, why aren't we seeing this yet? It's because we are operating in an authority that is far inferior to the alternative that's presented to us in Scripture. And although it's been given to us, yet we are not operating in it. And the reason for that is because that kind of authority and power can only be given to a mature people. Hallelujah. Too many things come out from our mouths. Too many things come out from our hearts that if we are given this kind of authority would be catastrophic. Like James and John, we all have the tendency to call fire at the slightest provocation. I don't like him. Fire, Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you would like would put a military division, military platoon under the care of a 10-year-old. You won't, right? None of us would do that. Neither would God. And so we have to grow up into the image of Christ to bear that kind of authority and power. I'm learning this all the time, man. I'm telling you, I realize my mistakes and my weaknesses. And I said, Lord, how in the world am I ever going to grow into this mantle, Lord, that you have given to, the, that you have promised to the church? My friends, if you're not thinking about these things, if you're not thinking about the priesthood, if you're not thinking about revival, if you're not thinking about all oh, the mantles of God, then can I suggest to you, your development is a little slow and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to fast track you because we don't have much time left. The glory is coming, hallelujah. Jesus is returning for a bride without spot and wrinkle. He's returning for a beautiful bride with the Melchizedekian priesthood and garments on her. We need to grow up. We need to mature. And I'm asking you, start thinking about these things. Amen. Start thinking about your vocation, your true vocation, 
You say, Pastor, I'm a doctor. Yes, but your true vocation is a priest unto the Lord. And you must function in the office of a priest. How do you do that? The first thing you got to do is to stand before God every morning and give Him praise and thanksgiving because that's the first duty of the priest is to offer praise to Him. The sacrifice of praise. Amen. In Revelation 3.21, Jesus said, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. You know, we often read this verse and say, Wow, that's marvelous, man. But it will only happen when we die and go to heaven. No, sir. No, sir. Jesus wasn't referring to after we have died. He's offering this to anyone who will overcome in this life and reign in this life. Right now, man. Right now. We can be seated in heavenly thrones, walk with great authority in this lifetime. Don't you want that, my friends? Don't you long for that? Don't you desire? Yesterday, I preached to 3,500 young people in that crowd. And I, man, when I was saying fire, 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 it was a moment. Of, it was wonderful. But I always go back and say, God, there has to be more. I'm operating at a level so far short of your true glory. And I cannot fully represent you until you bring me up higher to that place of glory. I tell you, every meeting I go back, after this meeting, I'll go back and say, God, there has to be more. Why aren't the people getting it? Why aren't the people catching what the Word of God is trying to say? I'm zealous for you, my friends. I want this Melchizedekian priesthood to rest here in Cornerstone. I want the scepter of God to rest in this house. Amen. I want to be able to stand in, in this uh, place. And when I speak the Word, and command cancer, they will just shrivel up and die. Amen. That we don't have to plead and beg and pray and hope and, 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 and quote scripture all the time and saying, God, we and try to twist God's hand to move. When we have the scepter in this church, we can speak the word and things will happen. And we want to see this happen in Cornerstone. Amen. We want to see the powers of the age to come released over this house. I tell you this, there is an authority that is coming. The Lord says in verse 2, Send thy rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Would you like to walk in a place where the enemy is always under your feet? Frustrating, right? One, time they, one day they're under your feet, the next day you are under their feet. But there is an authority and power that is coming to the church where the enemy will always be under our feet. Woo! Hallelujah. And Satan knows it and he's going to fight tooth and nail against it and he dreads it because he knows what's going to happen when it comes. Lord, give us a revelation, Lord, of this priesthood. Get, get the people, Lord, into this whole anointing, Lord Jesus. Let them know, God, that this is your desire. This is the express will of the Father for His church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia, the ruling, governing authority on this planet, Lord. This is your body, Lord. When you were on the earth as the head, you rule. But Lord, you don't just want to rule. You want to rule through your church in this hour as well. Amen. I tell you this, the enemy knows that there is a people that's emerging clothed with the Melchizedekian priesthood garments that he desperately wants to stop this priesthood from, um, from coming up and emerging. Man, if you're not moving in the things of God, if you're, if, I'm so sorry, if you're moving in the things of God, you should be asking these questions. Amen. It's a scepter that's coming. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. Verse 3, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. The King James Bible says, your people shall offer themselves willingly. When this mantle is poured out upon the church, let me just tell you this, the hearts of the Christians will rise in an unprecedented faith and they will be willing. 
Many Christians have said, you know, I don't want to get mixed up with the spiritual warfare business. I, I'm not going to go against the enemy, but the day is coming. Yes, sir, it will come when the church is going to rise up and then they're not going to enter into battle without, with fear. Uh, they're going to rise up with a willing heart. Amen. And they're going to be volunteers in the day of His power. Verse 3, in the second part of verse 3, in the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the, of your, of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The, the Melchizedekian church is going to uh, be a holy church. It's going to be adorned with holy aura. Uh, our garments will be the garments of warfare, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the, the girding the loins with truth, wearing the, the sandals of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. That bridal gown is the armor of God and it's devastatingly powerful. I don't think we have understood the power of our heavenly garments I don't put it on every day and I should. I think I should. You know, somebody said, Pastor Young, I, you know, this guy puts on his armor every day. Uh, and, uh, and somebody said, uh, uh, you don't have to put it on every day. Once you put it on, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't take it off. You know, but I want to just encourage you that every morning, you ref it's like refreshing yourself and saying, God, I put on the whole armor of God. Finally, in verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of of Melchizedek. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews tells us that He never usurped this role as the high priest. It was conferred to Him by His Father. Amen. As our high priest, Jesus represents us to God and through Him we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. But as King, He releases the authority of God from heaven to earth. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is not just King over the church. He's King over the whole earth. Amen. And as priest, He... A, a priest carries a censer, okay? A king wields a scepter. The scepter is, symbolizes authority. The censer symbolizes worship. One releases power. One releases fragrance. And we need both in Cornerstone, amen? We need the censer. There are some of you who are going to carry the censer. There are some of you who are going to carry the, the scepter. But let there be a marrying of the two, amen? The marrying of the two. All right. I'm going to close with uh, 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That word royal makes all the difference. We're not just a priesthood of believers. We are a royal priesthood. Amen. One of the functions of the priest is to proclaim praise. If you're not pro proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light every day, then I question your role, as uh, your understanding of a priest then I question your faithfulness in being a priest. You say, Pastor, I'm a priest. But if you are not offering praises every day, every morning, you know, it tells us every morning the, the priest would stand before the Lord every day to offer up the, 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 the sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. Amen. The, the, the word praise there in the scripture is, is not the best translation it's better translation, translated excellencies, the Greek word arate, and it means superiority. And as the royal priesthood, we're called to proclaim the superiority of God over darkness. That's what kings do. They proclaim, they decree, amen. And I'll close with this, the Lord's Prayer. I tell you this, I have not understood this before, but I'm beginning to understand the power of the Lord's Prayer. I, should, I pray this at least once a day, at least once a day, every day. And the Lord's Prayer is the Melchizedekian prayer. Because the prayer of the, of, the, of the Lord's Prayer has both kingly elements and priestly elements. 
It begins with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's how a priest would pray. Then it shifts into a kingly intercessions. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word come and be done are both in the command imperative in the Greek. So we are not merely requesting the kingdom to come or his will to be done. We're decreeing them. We're decreeing them into this earth because that's what kings do. Kings are raised to release the kingdom authority and power from heaven to earth and they pray, kingdom come, will be done. Hallelujah. You shift from a priestly petition to a kingly authority. Hallelujah. And then the prayer shifts back to a priestly function where you're petitioning, asking God for provision, our daily bread, forgiveness, and then freedom from temptation. And then it ends again on a kingly decree. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, Rabbi Shakaba. Lord, may God, may God grant you this, this vision of this priesthood. My friends, have you lost your priestly passion? Have you lost your desire for the inner courts? Have you lost your first love? Have you allowed dullness to come into your spirit? You're no longer sharp in the things of God. You're no longer discerning. You're no longer hearing the voice of God. You're no longer passionate for God. You're no longer desiring for that, the presence of His holiness. Oh, you're no longer desiring for God. If that's you today, you need to repent and say, God, I've become lukewarm. The Lord says, if you are hot, I have a word for you. If you are cold, I have a word for you. But if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Let's all stand in the presence of God, please. I want you to prepare your hearts today. We're going to have communion in the next few moments. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, please do not partake of the communion. You have no right to. The communion is only given to those who are in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. The picture and the pattern and portrait is in the Old Testament in the Passover. The foreigner cannot partake of the communion, cannot partake of the Passover lamb. The one who serves in the house who is not a Hebrew had to be circumcised before he could partake of the communion. This is an important principle in Scripture. I want to tell you this, that this is the greatest commonwealth, the commonwealth of the brotherhood. God is doing something in this church right now. He's preparing us for the greatest end time harvest. But He's also preparing the church for authority and power. If we're going to be kings and priests in eternity, then we've got to be kings and priests right now. We've got to know what it's like to rule and reign with Jesus Christ in this earth. When we have sickness, we've got to know how to deal with it. When we've got problems and things that seems to be insurmountable, we've got to know how to deal with those issues. But we cannot be we be like little children anymore. We've got to grow into the fullness and the stature of Jesus. We've got to rule and we've got to reign. Hallelujah. Oh God, I pray, establish your scepter. Oh Lord, establish the censor here in this church, Lord. In 2016, I'll close with a prophetic word that was given to me. 2016, we were in Los Angeles. Part of the event was uh, some of our friends had arranged for us to visit the Bonnie Bray, 214 Bonnie Bray Street. That was where the great Azusa Street Revival actually happened. The place became too small and so they moved to 312 Azusa Street. And at Bonnie Bray Street, I remember one time God gave me a prophetic dream, very clear. I saw 
William Seymour and I saw this 214 Bonnie Bray Street. But I was there in this house and there was a prayer meeting going on and we were part of that prayer meeting. And a man comes up to me in Bonnie Bray Street and he says, Pastor Young, the Lord says to you that the scepter has been secured, the mantle has been secured for Cornerstone Community Church. Hallelujah. And I know this with all my heart. The reason I'm sharing you with these things is because I believe that the desire of the Father this morning is to give us a revelation of this great Melchizedekian priesthood. And He doesn't want us to lose this passion for our priesthood. He doesn't want us to lose the passion for the inner courts. He doesn't want us to lose this, this passion for Him. Hallelujah. And this is where I am right now. I, I long for Jesus more than anything else. I long for the presence of God. Every day I'm crying out, Lord, let the mantle of revival be upon me as it was upon Mr. Evan Roberts in 1904. You gave him a mantle for revival. We bought the Pisgah Chapel. I'm connected to this revival. Give me what is my birthright, Lord. Give me what is my birthright, Lord. And I believe that more than just a mantle for revival, the Lord wants to give us this promise of this Melchizedekian priesthood the highest authority of the believer on this planet. And may some of you, with all your heart, say, God, I want this. I want this with all my heart, Lord. I want this. If you understand the, what God is offering to us, woo! Oh, my friends, you would, you would forsake everything. We would forsake everything in His life and press in, pursue what God is offering to us. Father, I stand before you today and I am deeply humbled myself, Lord, for, the, the, for how far you have brought Cornerstone from the first day we started the church, Lord, to where we are today, Lord. I couldn't have imagined, not in my wildest imaginations, dreams, thought that this could be possible. You made Cornerstone the head and not the tail. You made us above and not beneath, Lord. You made me the head, Lord. I lead the, the, I lead the Pentecostal and Charismatic Alliance here in Singapore. I lead the Festival of Praise. I the chair the Tungling Board. And Cornerstone is, I, I thank God for the mantle upon this church. And like David, I said, who am I? Who am I, Lord? And what is this house that you have brought us this far? I don't deserve it, but you have chosen us You've chosen this house, Lord, for your glory. And Lord, I just sense this morning that your desire of the Father is for the revelation of the Melchizedekian priesthood to be released to this people. There are some that will grasp it. There will be some that will understand it. There will be some that will say, yes, God, this is my me. I want this with all my heart. There are some that might lose this revelation. But wherever we are, Lord, I pray, secure the scepter and the censer here in this house, Lord. Let this house be a house of prayer for all nations in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, for this mantle right now. My friends, I'm just asking you as a way of responding. I'm not going to give an altar call this morning. We don't have time. But if you, if you say, Pastor, I, I just want this, man. I just want this with all my heart. I, I, have not, I have not thought about this. I have not thought about my priesthood. I have not thought about me being a priest king. I, we don't hear about this being preached very often, by the way. 
But this is something that I want to reach out to. Would you just raise your hands right now, wherever you are? Just say, God, I, I don't know about very much about this, but give me understanding, Lord. Give me a passion for these things, Lord. Father, you see the hands, you see the hearts, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name right now that you will seal them, Lord. Seal them, seal them, Lord. The desire, you do not meet us according to where we are, but according to the desires of our hearts, Lord. You do not deal with us where we are right now. And I thank you, Lord, that, um, that every redeemed man, every ransom man owes the fact that, that in his life of sinning, Lord, that you did not keep the doors, that you kept the doors of mercy open, Lord. And you did not consider our sinful acts to be final, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. That, Lord, there's always hope with Christ. In Christ, there is always hope. Hallelujah. Oh, Rabbi Shanda, thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Lord, I pray for this church that they will not lose the passion, Lord. They will not miss the high call of God. Lord, I don't, I don't want them to miss out on the greatest things that you have for them, Lord. The, this Melchizedek priesthood. I know if I preach this anywhere else, it would just fall on deaf ears. People are just going to disregard it, Lord. But never, uh, please, Lord, never allow Cornerstone to treat holy things with, with disdain, with light esteem. But we would value the things of God more than anything else in the world. And I tell you, nothing is more precious to God than this Melchizedek in priesthood. It is so special to Him and it must be special to us. Hallelujah. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.